If you have your Bibles, please turn to the Old Testament book of Zephaniah. Now, I already see it in a few of your faces, and I already heard it in your, in your voices. Um, some of you just thought, turn to Zephaniah, what? It's actually a book in the Old Testament. I promise it's in there towards the very end of the Old Testament. And if you've never read it or heard of it or haven't seen it in a while, that's okay. We're not planting this church for Bible scholars. We're planting this church for all people because of a God who comes and meets us right where we are. Zephaniah was a prophet who lived about 600 years actually more than that, before the birth of Jesus. And so this is pretty old. But his word still speaks true today. Zephaniah spoke, he preached in in an era of Israel that was very dark. It was an evil time. It was an era where people found pleasure in dark and in really very immoral sexual sin. And yet their culture affirmed it and said, yep, that's okay. Sound familiar? He preached in an era where there were people that were seeking financial security. And you know what they did to their god Molech? They sacrificed their babies. They actually went to an altar and they were killing their young in order to be blessed financially from their God. Does that sound familiar today? He preached in an era where there were people that were following corrupt religious leaders that were leading them actually far from God. Does that sound like it's the 21st century? And then to give you another example, he was preaching in an era where people were just rejecting God, rejecting his word, and were trying to find joy and purpose in their own way, their own path. If that's not today, then just log on to your Instagram or to your Facebook if you're old. Because we, we, ha ha. We've, we've been hanging out with college students from First Baptist all weekend. And let, let me tell you, I felt pretty old this weekend. Ze- Zephaniah lived in a very bleak time with moral chaos and broken relationships where there was depression and spiritual confusion. This is a message that we need to hear today because we're in the exact same place 2,600 years later. And this is the message of Zephaniah. If if you want this book in one brief phrase, Zephaniah's message, he says, stop seeking happiness your own way instead of seeking the Lord. So he says, don't seek happiness your way. Seek happiness by seeking the Lord. And if you seek the Lord first, then you will find joy. And it's only then and only when we are seeking the Lord do we find life and do we find salvation, do we find his renewal, and do we find the satisfied soul that we're all so hungry for. So Zephaniah is a message of hope in the middle of despair. So it's time for renewal. And maybe... Maybe God brought you here to this gathering today because he wants you 
here and now to experience his renewal. Let's read the text that we'll be in in Zephaniah chapter 3. We'll be reading just verses 14 through 20. Sing aloud, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O Israel. Rejoice and exult with all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away the judgments against you. You hear that? He has taken away the judgments against you. He has cleared away your enemies. The King of Israel, the Lord, is in your midst. You shall never again fear evil. On that day it shall be said to you, Jerusalem, Fear not, O Zion. Let not your hands grow weak. The Lord your God is in your midst. A mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exult over you with loud singing. I will gather those of you who mourn for the festival so that you will no longer suffer reproach. Amen? Behold, at that time I will deal with all your oppressors and I will save the lame and gather the outcasts. I will change their shame into praise and renown in all the earth. At that time, I will bring you in. At that time, when I gather you together, you hear that? Gather you together. For I will make you renown and praise among all the peoples of the earth when I restore your fortunes before your eyes, says the Lord. The primary truth that you see from this text, Zephaniah, is that God's renewal meets you where you are. Where you are today. He is desiring to meet you. So no matter what you are facing, right here and right now, our God wants to powerfully reveal himself to you and transform your life. I want to give you three assurances from this text. So when I say assurance, I'm talking about confidence. I'm talking about what you can have and be absolutely sure about with hope, something that you can really rest in. We live in an age of such uncertainty. And yet, right here, you have three primary truths at these assurances. And let me give you an example of these. Um, Last summer, my family and I went to the beach. We love hanging out in the sun and just relaxing and getting away from everyone else for a few days and not even doing anything, but just kind of laying on the beach and going in the water. And, And we got to the beach and I have four kids. My Three of them ran with the boogie boards, getting in the water, and we're having such a great time in the waves. But I have one. His name is Benjamin. He's five. He was four at the time. And I could see in his eyes, he was so afraid of waves that were like three feet. But for him, it was taller than he is. So these were like terrifying, these ginormous waves. And I could see in his eyes the terror And he was like, no, daddy. Like he did not want to take one step even in the water. And I remember so vividly um, just getting down with Benjamin and just putting my arms around him and looking him in the eyes that I could see so much fear. I was like, Benjamin, 
I'm with you. Daddy's right here. Hold my hand. I won't let go. And we're going to walk in those waves together. And you're going to have a great time. And I remember looking in his eyes and seeing the boldness and seeing the trust and seeing him have this confidence building inside of him. And I remember him holding my hand and I could see in his, in his countenance, he, he could, I saw what he was thinking. He was thinking, if, if my father is holding my hand, I can do anything. Now, I'd be lying to you if I told you we didn't have any meltdowns over the next few days. Because we did. There were times when he would get very afraid. And he didn't want to go in even with me holding his hand. And I would just remind him of the truth that he is loved. And that he can be brave. And that his dad is with him. And I'm not going to let go. And just reminding him of, of these truths. And we ended up having a really good time where he had a chance to overcome his fear and, and have this confidence because of his father. Can you relate? Of being afraid. But we have to believe that our father is holding on to our hand and he will not let go. And you can, with confidence, walk out into those waves of wherever God is calling you and know that he's not going to let go. And so here's the first assurance that our souls desperately need. It's that God has a purpose for you. This is the truth. This is something you can be assured of. That God has a purpose for you. So everything that's happened in your life has been planned. It's not by accident. God knows every single detail if you are a mom and you have your moments and you think, oh, I, are these really my kids? Like, was there a mix-up at the hospital because these cannot be my offspring? Yes, they're yours. Yes, they are. And in my case, two biological, two adopted, no difference. They're kids. And, and you and I have to have the assurance that God picked us for those kids. He picked you. Because it's best for you, best for those children, and best for his glory. It's planned. If you're a young adult, we have several visiting us today from our sending church, First Baptist. Love First Baptist College Ministry. Shout out. Yay. They're kind of tired. We, we, we had the time change. We had them up and working all weekend. Um, if you're a young adult and you're thinking, okay, my life, it's not exactly panning out the way I planned. I had every single I dotted and every T crossed and this degree plan's not working and this boyfriend's not working, probably better off without him, or whatever it is, you can know that God, God's got this. He knows it's, there is purpose in every single detail in your life. It is not haphazard or by accident. And you think, but what about this pain? What about this disappointment? Even that. Even that pain. God doesn't waste a hurt. There is purpose in it. God is there. He is close to the brokenhearted. 
And he's going to use that, if you're a male, to make you a man. And if you're a female, he's going to use it to make you into a woman of God. He has a purpose in it, to display his glory and ultimately to bless you. Verse 14 here is summarizing your overarching purpose. It says, sing aloud, O daughter. So we're children. You, you catch that. We're his children. Sing aloud. It says, shout, rejoice, and exult with all your heart. Describing worship, what we're just doing here, what, we've, what we're created for is worship. So God's purpose for you is that you would know him, treasure him, stand in awe of him, and just bow before him in adoration. This is what we live for. This is our purpose, is to worship him. So we were made with this, and so because of God's design to worship him, you can never not worship. You hear me? You can't shut it off. We're always worshiping. Like recently, we went out into our yard, and it wasn't a yard. It was a lake. It was just covered in water and going over the curb and down the street because one of the sprinkler heads had leaked and from underneath, and there was just water was just pouring out, and it was, it, it was a swamp. We had to shut off the valve to stop the water from flowing and call a plumber and get it fixed. You see, but with you and me, our hearts, there's no valve. You can't shut it off. It's always flowing. Our worship is always flowing. We're always looking at something and desiring it and, and loving it and giving ourselves towards it because we're made to worship. Our sin is corrupted, and so we worship other things, but we're made to worship. So our thoughts and our desires and our actions are always centered and focused on something that we're marveling at and desiring. Jeremiah 13, 11. This is what God is saying through the prophet. I made the whole house of Israel and the whole house of Judah. So he's talking about his people. He says, this is important. He says, I made you to cling to me. He made us to cling to him, declares the Lord, that they might be for me a people, not for themselves, but be a people for God. He says that they might be for me a people and a name and a praise and a glory. We display the glory of God. Do you know what a privilege that is? Being a human being is the greatest privilege that God could have possibly shared is to share his image and he's given us a chance, a joy to be his people, a name, a praise, and a glory. So when we enjoy God, that is worship. The enjoyment of God is worship and that is glorifying to him and this is our purpose. So God made us to live with him for him to be our greatest treasure and joy and nothing else can satisfy. Verse 14 says that we exist to says, sing aloud to our Father. It says, rejoice in God with all our heart. But there's only one problem. None of us do that. None of us do. We're supposed to. We're made to. But because of our sin that we all have in our own hearts, none of us that's ourselves will sing aloud and rejoice with all of our hearts 
to God. Instead, we rejoice in money or in security or in sex or comfort or our social media image or sports or hobbies or career, you name it. We rejoice in other things more than we do in God. And so because we're sinful, none of us on our own is going to see God. We don't. And so therefore, we're not fulfilling our purpose of worship. But we do have this purpose, and so we have a God who is at work in restoring and in renewing. So the first assurance you can have is that God has a purpose for you. Second assurance is God has a provision for you. Like, well, what does God provide for me? Renewal. He provides renewal for you to restore you so that you can fulfill your purpose of worshiping and enjoying God. He provides that. Verse 17, we just read it. He says, the Lord your God is in your midst. So he's come near. Jesus came And he's given us his spirit. So he's come near. He says, a mighty one who will save. So this promise to save us from our sin. He will rejoice over you with gladness. And so God is rejoicing over us. You bring God joy. He delights in you. And it says, he will quiet you by his love. That is an important phrase. He will quiet you with his love. Um, those of you that are parents, I'm sure can relate to this. Um, I've had many, many occasions with my children when they're little up to even now teenagers where they'll have some kind of a pain, whether a physical pain or an emotional pain or disappointment, and, and they're, they're sobbing. And I'll, I'll hold them. Even though they're older, I don't care. 14 years old, 12 years old. That's my boy. It's my little girl. And my little ones, of course. And, and when they're hurting, let's just hold them and remind them of who they are. I love you. There's nothing that you can do that could change the fact that I love you. And let's pray about this, whatever this is on that particular day. And that can change with the hour with teenage girls. But it's just, Life. When you read this text about God quieting you with your love, I want you to picture yourself with this chaos that sometimes is going on inside of you. You know what I'm talking about, right? The depression or the anxiety or the frustration or the whatever it is, and there's like this storm going on inside of you. Or you just did something that you're so ashamed of. And your father is holding you. And you're in tears and you've lost it. And, you're, and, and your father is saying, shh, I got you. But God, you know what I just looked at? Shh, I got you. God, you know what I just said? You don't know what I just did. And he's like, yes, I do. Shh. It's okay. I love you. Quiet. Come rest. Jesus already came and paid for that. It's already been paid for at the cross. 
You bear that shame no more. Come and quiet your soul with my love. And it's in that love and in that resting in God that his spirit begins to transform and heal and break those strongholds as we're quieted by his love. And then the next phrase just honestly blows me away. He will exult over you with loud singing. You hear that? In my fears, in my pain, in my, in my insecurities, just like you've got your junk. And we're all broken. We all need Jesus. And he says here that he is singing loudly over us. I mean, just stop for a moment. God just spoke. And the whole universe was created. He didn't raise his voice. He didn't use his mama voice. He, he, he was just very calm. He spoke with authority and created the world. Now, what would possibly happen if God would raise his voice and sing loudly? Can you imagine? If just talking, just talking creates the universe. And so now you have a God who is singing loudly over you. You know what happens when God sings loudly over you? The dead are raised. The impossible happens. That marriage that you thought is just dead is resurrected. He is singing over us. This is absolutely remarkable. When he sings, rebels become joyful worshipers of the king. And the broken are made new in Christ. So what happens when God sings over us? I'll give you one word. Renewal. That's what happens. He's accomplishing his renewal and it just leaves us in awe. And everything in this text is pointing to and fulfilled in the person and the work of Jesus. His work on the cross. Because let's just keep things very clear. I know that we're trying to plant a new church. We're launching in a few weeks with weekly services. This is our second preview service. And so you might think that I'm going to try to say things to draw a crowd. But I'm going to say this here up front. You are not good enough. I'm not good enough. We're sorry. We're sinful. And we're, we love false gods. We are idolaters. Every one of us are. Every one of us is just desperate for the renewal that only God can bring. The whole point of the gospel is not you're good enough. If you're good enough, then why would Jesus have to come live a perfect sinless life, die on the cross, take our guilt and our shame, resurrect and show victory over Satan and the grave? Why bother if we're good enough? The whole point is that we're not. We're bad. We're broken. We're desperate. We have no hope. No hope apart from Jesus. And so there's no comfort in this self-help. You're good enough. No, no. There's comfort in you're not good enough. But Jesus is. Jesus is good enough. That's the gospel. 
that we cast ourselves on the mercy of a God who loves us, who knows everything about you, and yet he adores you. That is love. And that is the God that we worship. And he is singing over you. And maybe you're thinking, oh man, that that sounds awesome, but that's just too good to be true. Like what you're peddling up there, it sounds great, but no, that's just like fairy tale stuff. Well, let me tell you what the Bible says. The word of God, so that you can know that this is not too good to be true. Verses 15 through 19. Maybe you're thinking, Okay, this sounds good, but, but Pastor Matthew, I'm just too guilty. I've done too much. I'm too guilty. What does the Bible say? The Lord has taken away the judgments against you. In verse 15. You are guilty, but Jesus paid. So now you are set free, paid in full, nailed to the cross. Maybe you think, I have too many enemies. Satan is just really attacking me, and I just have... I have too many enemies. What does he say in verse 15? He has cleared away your enemies. You think, well, I'm just too far from God. I've done too much. I'm just too far. Verse 15. The king of Israel, the Lord is in your midst. He's here with us now. You are not too far. The Lord's arms are long enough to reach you, no matter how far away you get. You think, well, I'm just too afraid. I'm eaten up by fear and, and insecurity. What does he say in verse six or verse 15? He says, you shall never fear again. You shall never fear evil. And God's perfect love casts away the fear. You think, I'm too weak. You don't know what I've been through. I'm just too weak. Verse 16 and 17, he says, Fear not. Let not your hands grow weak. The Lord is in your midst. You're not too weak. Well, you are in your strength. But the Lord's strength through his spirit, he gives us strength. He empowers us. You think, you don't know. I'm, I'm just too depressed. I'm just full of anxiety. I'm just so depressed. Well, verses 17 and 18 say what? God will, he says, exult over you with loud singing. I will gather you so that you will no longer suffer reproach. He is singing over you. You don't have to suffer reproach. His spirit can break and your depression, deliver you from depression. He can, and I have faith that he will. He does. He heals. Me say, I'm just too enslaved. I'm too addicted. What does he say in verse 19? Behold, at that time, I will deal with your oppressors. He will deal with it. He has defeated it at the cross. So no, you are not too addicted. He can deliver you. You think, I'm just too broken. Verse 19, I will save the lame. I'm too ashamed. Verse 19, I will gather the outcast. I will change the shame into praise. This is what our God does. You think I'm just too alone. Verse 20, at that time, I will bring you in and I will gather you together. You don't have to be alone. 
be part of a faith family and share life with us and follow Jesus together and have your life explode with joy and with purpose. I'm going to ask you to do something that maybe is a little bit weird, but just, just bear with me. I ask you to close your eyes. Everyone, just humor me. Close your eyes. I want you to picture the face of Jesus. Picture Jesus looking at you. Picture your creator, your savior, your first love, looking into his eyes. What do you see? What face is he making at you? Is he angry? Is he disappointed? Is he frustrated with you? Maybe he's turning away, too busy to even look at you. If you have repented and trust in Jesus as your Savior, right now you have nothing to prove. Jesus loves you. And if, and if you are seeing any of those looks that are not love, then those are lies. He is not angry at you. He's not disappointed in you. He loves you. You can't open your eyes. What, what we're talking about here is knowing that Jesus loves you and not believing the lies. When he looks at you, he sings over you. And this is the truth that liberates us and frees us from everything that would enslave us. The key here is surrender. Really surrendering to his spirit. And see him smiling over you. Because he is. Because the Bible tells us that he is. And it's his presence that frees us. And so he has given us a purpose that we can't live out. He's given us a provision so that we can live it out. And last, number three, God has a plan for you. The third assurance is that God has a plan for you. You read it in verse 20. At that time, I will bring you in. At that time, when I gather you together, for I will make you renowned and praised among all the peoples of the earth when I restore your fortunes before your eyes, says the Lord. This is a promise that we have now in part with Christ coming, his spirit in here. We here are gathered together. And so we already have it fulfilled, but this is also a future promise of the old fulfillment that will happen one day in heaven. But on this side of heaven, we do experience this being gathered together, which is why we have a church that we're planting to reach new people that are far from God, to spread his renewal to Bill County and the world, why we have home groups that meet every week to study the same text that was preached, apply it and sing together and pray together, cry together, celebrate together, share life together. We have home groups, and so we want you to join one and do life with us because we've been gathered together sharing our life. So God's plan for you is that you continue to trust him to live out this purpose and to do it together. 
with other believers. So God is not asking you to come to him for more instructions. He's just saying, will you just come and rest with me and let just delight in me? God has a purpose and a provision and a plan for you. It's time for renewal. 